0: How could a good God allow bad things to happen? I mean, this has been the question for ages. And behind this question is an assumption that there is a reality in which bad things don't happen. That there is a reality in which we are owed only good things. What we often don't have is a healthy understanding of that tragedy is a part of life, whether we understand it or not, whether we like it or not, whether we agree with it or not. We don't have to look far in scripture to see that even those who gave their whole lives to following God experienced tragedy. Even the son of God experienced tragedy. And admittedly, this is a hard one because we want to believe that a good and powerful God would be capable of eliminating that, of creating a reality in which that didn't exist. And we can speculate on why that is. But one thing you've heard as a core in all of these episodes is the decision to choose to believe that God is God and God is good. In other words, God might know something that we don't. And so if we accept the reality of tragedy, what then? How do we tread that tension between tragedy and faith? between a hardship that we don't want and may not deserve, and the belief that God is good and loving. Jerry was actually the first one on Podmatch that I scheduled an interview with, but we had to put it off for a few weeks. And I'm so grateful for this conversation because we dive hard into that idea of a theology of tragedy. How do we tread that tension? How do we still affirm God's goodness when things are bad? And I want to encourage you to process with us. You're listening to episode 75 of the Where Did You See God podcast. god i just want to thank you that you are god and you are good and i just thank you for jerry and i don't even know all of his stories and all the stories you've been writing and are continuing to write but i do know that you are writing stories and i do know that you brought us together Uh, and so we just want to give you this time we want to give you this conversation we release all of our ideas all of our plans all our expectations and just say this is your time and so yeah we just invite you to speak and pray that you would give us wisdom to know how we should speak And in all this, we just pray that you are glorified. Let's pray in his holy name. Amen. Amen. So, Jerry, one fun thing about you is, and I don't even know if I've shared any of this with you, but Podmatch has been interesting for me during this season of the podcast because I was about to write it off because nothing was working. Mm. And then I felt like God was inviting me to do this season focused on healing. And as I took step by step towards that, not really knowing where it was going to go or how it was going to work, God was starting to unlock more things. And so one of those things when I took a step was suddenly we connected and I realized, oh, I don't know, Jerry, but he could be a guest on this season that I didn't even know should happen. But what's really funny about you is you were like the first guest that I locked in. Mm. But due to scheduling, (laughs) we had to push it back. The moment that that happened within a few days, suddenly there was like six, eight, 10 more people. And so I've had like 10 interviews between that, which is not the norm. Mm -hmm. And so it's been a wild ride, but I've been looking forward to talking to the first person scheduled. And here's what really intrigues me is I don't know what our conversation would have been if it had happened immediately. Mm -hmm. And I don't know what it's going to be today. I know a lot has happened in between now and then as far as conversations that God's brought about so I don't know what conversation I don't know what the conversation is going to be, but I know it's going to be good. But before we jump in, I've got this thing that I do now, where it's one of those quick hit tell me about yourself things but I want it to be fun. Okay, and so here's what yours is going (laughs) to be. the reason I laugh is because I don't plan these in advance, and I really oh. quickly try to think of an idea.
1: Impromptu is great, man. Yeah, fresh <laughs> and so, raw is what we're going for.
0: So here's yours. Mm-hmm. You are now part of a professional football team. Nice. I'm watching the game, and it's one of those moments during the game where they do the player profiles, and they come up real quick, and they're like, mm-hmm. um, blah blah blah, blah yeah. blah 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 blah, right? And you're yeah. like looking all tough. So your player profile has just come up on my screen. What do I hear you say that tells me who you are? Wow,
1: <laughs> that's uh, that's definitely a setup you could never prepare for, <laughs> so, which is uh, which is great, right? Because now I got You know, I've been thinking on my feet for the last ten years. What's another thirty seconds? So <laughs> I know it's not relevant to football, but I would say something like Jerry Fu, salsa dancer, world traveler, musician, and uh, amateur chef. <laughs> I
0: like it. Yeah. I like it and then the game starts you do the game winning touchdown everybody cheers mm-hmm. and it's just great well when we first connected Jerry mm-hmm. you know you shared a few things in like just a quick bio about you that I was like there's a lot that Jerry could share and one of them was medical missions and and things like that things that could attach to this concept of healing and one specific thing you mentioned is that you'd love to delve into the topic of healing in terms of when there are prayer requests that get answered and when they don't. Mm -hmm. And so I don't know if that's still on your heart or if something new is on your heart, but when you think of this conversation and when you've been thinking about this conversation, what has been coming to your mind on the topic of healing?
1: yeah there's this tension that i notice between people who believe right or at least not between people who believe but yeah it's well, it is between people who believe because there are people who firmly believe in healing prayer like instantaneous healing and you know i'm not here to refute that if you have empirical evidence that supports your case things like in latin america or other countries that i'm not privy to where people have testimonials of things where they are just like, yeah we laid hands and things got better you know i'm not here to take away from that at the same time i've seen enough situations where people cry out for healing and it's years on years of no apparent improvement right and i think people struggle with that and i think a big concern i have is just the fact that people tell themselves the wrong story about why things aren't getting better right because that was a big belief for me in my early years of faith is that well if god isn't saying yes to this healing prayer Either you didn't have enough faith or there's some sin you didn't confess yet. Mm. I've been in enough situations where you realize that you can't afford to say yes to everything. I know this is a limited human perspective, but if I'm a business owner, I shouldn't just give a job just because someone asked for one, right? If I have a sister, right? She shouldn't say yes to every guy that asks her out. Right. Like No one would expect that, but when we want something right, and we believe it's good, and we believe it's it's beneficial. Then all of a sudden, you know, we get mad at God for not giving us what we think He wants us to ask Him for, right? And so there's just this, this, this tension I see where, on one hand, when you pray for healing and it happens, celebrate it. And at the same time, if you pray for healing and it doesn't happen, well, you know, God is still God, right? There's a lot of people that I know who, and I mean, I'm kind of in that same camp where you know we don't have theology for tragedy, we don't have theology to comfort us in, in the tougher moments in this world. This is even as we say things like the pain of this world is what reminds us to long for the next one, right? We want this instantaneous healing. We want, you know, shalom. We want this peace now. And yet at the same time, like everything is still temporary, including this peace that comes from healing.
0: Hmm. That's good. One thing you said really struck me, Mm -hmm. and I want to hear more about that. You mentioned that we don't have a theology for tragedy. Mm -hmm. Tell me more about that. Not just what does that mean to you, but what could that look like?
1: Yeah, happy to share uh, some personal examples just because I want this to be real. I I don't want to just talk in abstract or or theological terms. So, for instance, the girl who led me to Christ, uh, her name was Karen. Karen moved to my hometown where I was living in eighth grade at the time. She moved from Pittsburgh, came down to where I was in Knoxville. And, you know, very pretty girl, uh, very godly woman, even as she was a flirt Paul like it was she would like to wear clothes that you know literally skirted the dress code and then she would chastise me for not being pure like Jerry purity it's like come on Karen like that's not fair (laughs) but I say this because there's no question there's nothing different about her simply because she came to faith at a very early age and apparently she had her first vision from God when she was six on Christmas day and she was so excited that she didn't even want to open Christmas presents like who Like, what kid doesn't want to open Christmas presents that you will be so excited about this vision from God, right? So Karen was very intentional with me from the time I first met her in eighth grade. And then basically in high school, halfway through high school, I realized that I was not in control of my own life. And, you know, there are things I didn't want to admit that I needed forgiveness for, but I knew I I needed it. So Karen invited me to church camp. We can talk about high school church camp experiences. I'm not okay, that's a whole nother podcast episode, really. (laughs) But in any case, right, I came to faith. I I said, okay, I will become a Christian. Got baptized the following Sunday after we got back. A month later, Karen dies in a car crash. Oh, wow. And I saw a really, I guess you could say, I observed a, a couple trends. You know, I still am curious about the process. Every time I share the story, I'm just like, you know what? I saw a lot of people who weren't Christians become Christians. I also saw a lot of Christians struggle and possibly even fall away from the faith because they couldn't comprehend how a loving God would allow this to happen. Right. Yeah. And, and it's not to judge Karen's mom because Karen's mom, I mean, she at her funeral was a year later because she was just so emotionally traumatized by Karen's death. And so her health also started failing. Mm. And so, yeah, even as we know, Paul's words in Philippians say to live as Christ and to die is gain It's still a shock when it happens, I think, because we don't want to believe that the best thing that God can do for some people is to call them home early. Because if their work here on earth is done, you know, sure, he's ready to bring them home. And then people are like, well, she didn't have a family, she didn't have kids, she didn't have a career. It's like, well, you know, I'm not here to disagree with you, but what makes you think that God owes you these things in order to validate his goodness?
0: Man, it's a heavy story. And I think it's important too, because especially the last thing you said like what Mm -hmm. makes us think that god owes us Mm -hmm. because honestly like we do feel like god owes us an explanation yeah yeah.
1: well we want to be able to we want to buy in right we're just like god we want to believe you're good and you know Mm -hmm. that's fine that's a good desire and at the same time you know it, it can get confusing very quickly in a very broken
0: world right yeah so what does a believer do with tragedy i mean mm-hmm. if if we are in this place where something happens that doesn't make sense and god's not giving us answers mm-hmm. how does a believer step forward yeah it's
1: something i still work on every day really in my attempt to be a humble beggar telling other beggars where i find bread you know mm-hmm. to, to sustain things like this now the first is to ask what are the implications of the resurrection right are you certain that this happened right because if you are certain that it happened then you know how can you live today knowing that god overcame death right even if things don't work out it's like you know we're going through the book of daniel and with some friends of mine and they talk about well even if you throw us into the furnace and even if god doesn't come through for us you know we rather this is the right thing to do we're not going to obey you right or you take from like Habakkuk, right, three, where it talks about, yet I will rejoice in in the Lord, even as, you know, the trees don't bear fruit and everything's withering, everything's broken. You know, I think the comfort is, yeah, let me run back to the cross and, and really think about the implications of that for my life, because if Jesus really did overcome death, raise up after three days, then... You know, I have hope without hype, as one of one of my pastor friends likes to say, right? I can keep things in perspective because this is not my home, right? I'm going to trust in a better life to come. Like Francis Chan talks about that. So I live your best life later. Nothing's necessarily exempting you from having a good life now, right? And you are still helping out for something better. You are looking forward to a day where you don't have to cry over loss anymore. You will be satisfied. You'll be taken care of. You don't have to worry about penalty or hurt or pain or disappointment or anything else like that. And you know, to journal on that, right? I think is something uh, that's helped me. Is just to you know write out my thoughts, so they're not just like you know bouncing around in my head, and I'm just getting all anxious, and I'm not even thinking. Instead, I'm you know pray to God, right? Pray, just cry out, right? Be honest with God, but just about how upset you are, or how frustrated you are, or just how certain uncertain you are. He wants to hear these things, right? He's not like, how dare you? Don't have enough faith? It's like, no, we don't. As a lot of the churches, you know, we we don't really talk about how do you deal with that? How do you deal with situations that don't make sense? Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I mean, for me, yeah, uh, processing, right? Taking time to intentionally develop awareness of why do I feel the way that I feel? Why do I believe what I believe? What is the story I'm telling myself about the situation? How does that align with the story? I know God is telling me through Christianity and through Jesus Christ. Get a couple of friends that you trust, right? Say, hey, you know, let's let's get some other perspectives, not for the purpose of judging, but for the purpose of just generating more ideas and saying, hey, how can we, you know, step out in faith uh, as a result of this, right? What's the opportunity here? You know, and a simple example is another podcast I've heard on called The Beautiful Side of Grief, where, you know, a mother lost her daughter at a young age to a traffic accident. And, you know, the opportunity, right, for things like this is to realize, number one, you're not alone. Uh, there are plenty of people that you know suffer similar setbacks, and to be able to connect with them all the more through technology like this uh, is a way to minister to people. Right? Uh, we don't want to admit that our areas of greatest pain often become our areas of greatest ministry. I know I've met so many people, and I'm amazed when I tell them, "Oh, I've struggled with insecurity," and they're like, "Oh, yeah, me too." And I'm like, "Really? Like I thought I was the only one?" Right? <laughs> yeah. I hate rejection. What? Me too. Oh wow. Okay. So, I mean, for me, uh, it's a lot of processing and it's a lot of still, you have to go back to the story, right? You have to keep the Bible firsthand, uh, trusting that this is the holy and inspired and inerrant word of God. Then, yeah, let me make sure I spend time meditating on it, reviewing it, you know, evaluating it. Yeah, looking for new ways to apply it in my life. Because yeah, to think that reading and church attendance and, you know, like cursory prayers are enough to really mature Christian, you know, it's a nice starting formula. And to think that that's enough for anyone really is, uh, you know, it's unrealistic, I think. Yeah. yeah.
0: I really love that out the gate. Your first bit of advice was to ask yourself, do you really believe mm-hmm. that Jesus rose from the dead? Yeah, <laughs> he died. yeah. because I mean, one, like, you know, that's core to our faith. So mm-hmm. that should probably yeah. work its way into it. But mm-hmm. my initial thought was where is he going with this? And then you went there and I'm like, Mm -hmm. yes, that makes total sense because if we believe that, then we have to acknowledge that God not only experienced tragedy, letting his son die on the cross, but he chose tragedy. And if we believe these things, then we've got to contend with that. Put another way, what you're really hitting at, even in talking about processing with friends, is Mm -hmm. the invitation we have is to say, maybe i don't understand everything Mm -hmm. maybe there are things that exist in a way that is different than how i think they exist Mm -hmm. you know when jesus says to die to self and to die to all these things Mm -hmm. one of the things we really struggle to die to is our understanding that's what the disciples ran into right like Mm -hmm. they were willing to go through a lot of stuff with jesus be Mm -hmm. pushed back on a lot of things but when we get to the cross they didn't want to die to their understanding. Mm-hmm. Peter was yeah. willing to die but then when it pressed against his understanding of who Jesus was supposed to be and how things were supposed to go, he didn't want to die to it. One of my favorite verses is Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. It's trust in the Lord with all your heart and don't lean on your own understanding. Mm-hmm. In all your ways submit to him and he will set your path straight. And what that meant for me 25 years ago is different than what it means now because I've had to learn what it means. Yeah. Do not lean on my own understanding. Good. But it is a a hard tension, right? Because we Mm -hmm. live in a world that is both simultaneously happening in many of the ways that we understand it. And there is a reality greater Mm -hmm. than our understanding. And we have to live in this tension of being like Jesus who wept when Lazarus died Mm -hmm. while also knowing that he could raise Lazarus from the dead. Mm -hmm. And this is the piece that's so hard because, you know, I was just on a podcast called The Bible Says What? And it's an atheist versus Christian style podcast, which is not my normal. I'm not a debater. Like I can debate over silly things, Mm -hmm. but I know I can't prove that God exists, right? Because he is beyond my understanding and the wisdom of God is foolishness to man. And so I could come up with the best argument, but it could still sound like foolishness, right? So I know that I can't go into that space trying to win the debate Mm -hmm. so i went into it just to have dialogue and discussion Mm -hmm. and we had a great conversation for michael the thing that he keeps hitting up against is how can people like me continue to say that god is good Mm -hmm. when these tragedies happen Mm -hmm. and and it is hard right because it is hard to make a justification for a horrendous act and i couldn't find words to describe but in my head as i processed it I realized part of the journey for me is to really press harder into that verse of Mm. not leaning on my own understanding. But the second Mm. piece, this is the, this is the hard one is in all your ways, submit to him. That submission means God, I don't like what you're doing. Mm -hmm. I don't understand what you were doing. Mm -hmm. And yet I'm going to still submit to you. I'm still going to trust you. I'm still going to walk through like, that's a risky thing if God is cruel or if God doesn't exist, (laughs) but if God is God and God is good, that's the only way to actually be in full connection with them. And so I love that you brought it back to the cross and not in some flighty, like cute pastoral way. If we believe this, then tragedy does exist and God is still good and powerful in the midst of it. Yeah. You know, you mentioned that you had this close relationship Mm -hmm. tragedy hit out of nowhere and and what many could say was just awful timing like this wonderful experience you you went to church Mm -hmm. camp all these things happen and then it was just too soon it was just Mm -hmm. too soon yeah and you've mentioned and implied that there's been a journey of learning and growing and moving on from that Mm -hmm. you know this was this wasn't just yesterday this was a while ago what has that journey been how have you continued to process through this and what have you learned from it?
1: as a kid who just wants some place to belong and wants approval right when i first became a christian you know the attention i initially got and the way we celebrate new believers like i was eating that up right Mm -hmm. i can memorize some scripture and people think i'm like mature and insightful wow this (laughs) is great let me just memorize some more Mm -hmm. I think for me, there is a journey of, you know, this need for approval led me to be subjected to some spiritual manipulation in ways where people, you know, claim the name of God. And yet really it's about their platform as opposed to really doing God's work. And I don't want to sound overly bitter or subtweet as I say, this It's just... I think people mean good things when they say, hey, we want people to go to church and, you know, get in community and things like that. And at the same time, some of these things can become very legalistic. And when it gets to that point where it has to be like, no, it has to be our church and not like this other church. It's like, okay, maybe maybe we let that go, right? Mm And so for me, I think some of the lessons I learned is kind of comes back to what I read in one of David Platt's books, Radical Together, where he challenged us to not get so caught up in church busy work that we actually lose sight of making disciples, right, and doing the hard work here. And the reason I can say that this really resonated with me is that I served as a church class director at one point. I grew up in a mega church right after I became a Christian, the church I went to had a very dynamic pastor as I finished high school, they finished a new sanctuary, like you can tell it was like getting to like mega church status and then when I first came to Houston for college, Ed Young, right, Second Baptist and I'm walking around, I'm sitting there thinking oh my gosh this is like its own city, like it should have its own zip code right. I, on one hand, when I came back to Houston and got involved in a mega church, you know, I love the connections. I love the opportunities, things like that. I love the relationships that I got to build. And at the same time, I realized no one was telling me how to pace myself at the buffet line, right? There's so many ministries, so many opportunities. And you realize you can't say yes to all of them, right? And that's where the verse where it says, Are we doing this for the glory of God or the approval of man? And the problem I had was that I was doing stuff for the approval of Christians, right? Mm-hmm. I'm not here to refute how much they prayed or you know what God laid on their hearts. And at the same time, like it's okay if I say no to things, right? So long as I've already gone to God myself and said, well, hey, this is where I feel like the Spirit is leading me, you know. And now it's my word against yours. And well, hey, at the end of the day, if this is where I feel God is leading me, you, know, you can disagree with it all you want. It's okay, like to be able to do that. Some other experiences that shaped my perspective, it really, a lot of the maturity I had came about in the last couple of years, because I realized that I was just content just to like busy myself at church activities, but I didn't want to evangelize. I didn't want to actually make disciples because if someone asks you, well, what would you tell a new believer if you had the chance to teach them? I'm like, uh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what to tell them. Read your Bible, pray, go to church. right? Yeah. But. I had the chance to go to Beirut to attend a conference with um, a group called Health Outreach of Middle East, uh, which is Arabic Christian doctors. They support clinics in areas like Damascus and Mosul and all these other really difficult areas. And to see the patience and persistence and gentleness of the medical professionals serving overseas was really a time of reset perspective for me. One doctor in particular, a guy named David Thompson. He served in Ghana and Egypt for you know a total of like 35 years. And with uh, Doctor Thompson's testimony, what's amazing is that you know he relied on God to even get him into college and help provide for his tuition money because he was the son of missionaries, so he didn't have a lot of money, right? And crazy enough, in the middle of his time in college, his parents were missionaries to the Phnom people in like Cambodia and Vietnam area, and his parents ended up getting shot and killed by Viet Cong. Wow. You know, he's mad at God. God, why did you take away my parents? And it wasn't until, you know, he said, you know, thank you for calling my parents home where finally God said, now you can trust in my sufficiency and provision for you. Mm. I have friends who disagree on whether or not their lives, you know, didn't have to go the way they did or not. But, you know, it doesn't change what happened. Right. And he talks about how the Penang, if his parents were still alive, maybe a couple of them would come to faith. But it wasn't until they died for their faith where more Penang people came to faith. It was a tough and sobering reminder that God has a greater plan for our deaths, Right. I think about what Shane Claiborne wrote in, in Irresistible Revolution, where we just talk about, oh, let's just arrive at death safely, you know, we, you know, and I'm not saying, you know, you can't have that. It's just, is that the formula we're going to prescribe to people mm-hmm. in a book that talks about, as Count Zinzander says, right, priestly gospel, die, be forgotten. <laughs> it's like, oh, I don't, I don't like that formula. <laughs> you know, I yeah. don't, I don't like these hard things. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, so for me, I think seeing Christianity across the world really helped kind of shape my perspective and realizing, okay, this is what it's about. Right to love your enemies to love in such a way where you're not worried about the return on investment, but that you can just give generously because you serve a God who gives generously, right? And it's not easy. David Platt talks about you know we are selfless people serving a self-centered God, and he's like, don't think that's selfish. Like God is worthy of all glory and honor. Like he's not being egotistical. He's he knows his own brand, right? <laughs> like he he has the integrity. But yeah, just to trust. Hey, you know what? Yeah. There are a lot of polarizing things, like what well, God? Why did you allow COVID to happen? Like why? You know, for the people who are willing to say, "Hey, well, you know what? Is God still sovereign? Yes. Uh, Is the righteous, the righteous still true? Yes. Okay. What can we do today uh, to live out this faith in a way where we can have peace that transcends all understanding and will guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus?"
0: Right. Yeah. You know, when you were talking about the the story of the guy yeah. whose parents died, yeah. like a lot of thoughts came to my mind. Yeah, but you know, in our minds, death is the worst case scenario. That's it, because that's the end of life. Like throughout human history, you know, you lose an arm or you lose family, these are all bad things. But Mm -hmm. if you die, that's it. That's the end. And believers, hypothetically, are operating in a different mindset of that. Yeah, you know, we believe that death isn't the end. And yet, throughout our lives, we function as though it still is when somebody passes when we are threatened with death we like peter want to stop it and it is hard for us to believe that god could know something that we don't but even in that we still try to project out and explain him and here's the crazy thing is we don't actually know why his parents died like we don't know like you know someone could say to that well god is cruel that he would mm-hmm. kill somebody's parents just to teach the other person a lesson mm-hmm. or to get them closer to him mm-hmm. couldn't ha- he have done it in another way mm-hmm. and i think we're focusing on the wrong thing we're, we're expecting mm-hmm. god to justify his actions when we're missing the fact that the thing we do know that happened mm-hmm. is that this guy believed one thing about god mm-hmm. and then got to a place of that second part of that verse and all mm-hmm. your ways submit to him like Regardless of why his parents died, how they died, etc., mm-hmm. there was a transformation that happened. Yes. And that's the piece that I feel like I'm trying to learn how to focus more on that than expecting God to give an account of all he has done. Because here's the thing: even if he did, would I understand it? Would I accept it? The other thing that came mm-hmm. to my mind as you were sharing, and it came to my mind earlier, is you know, when we're talking about understanding an analogy that comes up in scripture often is of kids and adults, you know, I, I understood life yeah. in this way. And then I was older and I understood in this way. And I was reminded of a time where my son was one years old and a friend was leaving and went to give him a hug. And after the hug, he misstepped, fell and hit his head on the corner of the steps. Oh. If anybody's ever seen a head wound, there's a lot of blood yeah. in your head. <laughs> and it doesn't matter how big or little that thing is, it looks like the most horrible thing in the world, especially on yeah. a one year old. So he's covered okay. in blood. My wife doesn't know what to do. Fortunately, like God's given me the capacity to just get into go mode when it's needed. Go into go mode. Yeah. I cleaned him up. I put some pressure on him uh, very calmly. I was like, we're going to go to the hospital now. It's going to be fine. I learned, by the way, mm-hmm. if you really want to get into the hospital faster, don't clean the blood off. Leave it there <laughs> Because when I brought him in, he looked fine. I was yeah, 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 right. cleaned up. And so we waited for hours, but oh, no. <laughs> ended up having to do a few stitches. Okay. And in order to do the stitches, mm-hmm. it's on his eyebrow, right? So that's a very uh, sensitive space, but also risky space that he's got an eye right under yeah. that. Yeah, the doctors had to cover him up with this sheet that had a hole only at that spot. Mm -hmm. So now he can't see anything Mm -hmm. and they had to hold him down. So his one year old understanding knew this to be the most horrendous experience of his life. And even now, like I'm surprised, but I'm getting like a little choked up about it because we, as his parents were watching and he was barely able to like comprehend how to console himself, Mm -hmm. how to respond. He was crying out for us. We're trying to Mm -hmm. say, I'm right here. I'm right here. And he could not understand it because if you're right there, then get these people off of me and get the sheet off of me and take me out of here, please. And there was no way we could explain to him, no, this has to happen. Like, if we don't let these doctors do this, you're gonna get an infection. Mm -hmm. We can't do this. Like the doctors have to be the ones to do Mm -hmm. it, and it has to be in this way. And he was so distraught that, like, he had just learned to count. And he was just counting over and over one two three four five like as like some kind of like he was just grasping at anything mm-hmm. and as parents we were heartbroken of course because we loved him deeply mm-hmm. and we were doing what needed to be done and yet he was in pain like i think of that story often when i think of my own understanding mm-hmm. Like how often have I cried out to God and said, if you really loved me, why aren't you pulling me out of this? Mm-hmm. Like if you really cared about me, why are you allowing me to be in pain? Mm-hmm. And I think about that often and how my son, there is nothing I could say to him to help him to understand.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It might not be until he's a parent when he really comprehends, oh, that was an act of love, mm-hmm. and, you know, in saying yes. all this, like somebody could still pull back and say, Well, if God is powerful as a parent, sure, yeah, you can't do the stitches, but God can do anything he wants. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And that's true. He can. And part of my submission is to say, even though I feel like God can and should do this in a better way, for some reason, he isn't. Mm -hmm. And maybe part of that reason is my ideas are really based on me and my life and what's best for my life. Mm -hmm. And maybe what he's trying to do is about someone else (laughs) or Mm. simply about his glory. (laughs) Right. And if I say he deserves all glory and honor, then why am I not willing to give this to? And so it is hard. Understanding it's hard, but Mm. it's powerful to hear that for this guy, a tremendous tragedy to people that... The world would say why would god kill people that had given their lives to serving him right like that this guy somehow was able to go from his understanding from leaning on his own understanding Mm -hmm. to a different place that changed the trajectory of his life and allowed him to Mm -hmm. go to school become a doctor and to serve and to impact the lives of others who may not have gotten the care that they needed had he not been in the position he was in Mm -hmm.
1: So you think back to, man, I don't know why I keep quoting Philippians, but, you know, Paul knew what he was doing when he was writing this, right? I think about the verse, you know, he who began a good work in you is faithful to complete it, right? And it's like, this is a process. This is a, not just for five years, 10 years. This is an entire lifetime. There is a, not a single day where you could not become more mature in Christ, right? Or you think of the Joseph story, right? Joseph should have kept his mouth shut and then he would have been spared all that problem, Right. <laughs> If he just kept his mouth shut that's all it took right that he blabbed and got him in trouble right but genesis 50 20 right you intended to harm me but god intended it for good that there would be the saving of many lives right you know you look at job job's just like i'm just in the i'm just a pawn in this cosmic chess match and then his friends have the nerve to say no you must have some hidden sin you didn't repent of so this is on you right or john 9 right let's just throw in more scripture just to mess with people right Jesus heals a blind man, right? They come across a blind man. And then the disciples say to themselves, oh, we know this story. He's blind, therefore there's sin. So either there's sin or someone else in his life sinned. And now he's done with the consequences. Jesus who sinned He's like, nobody. I set this up to show you how awesome I am. Mm-hmm. And they're like, I don't want to, I don't, that's not fair. Right? Look, I set up this magic trick. Look, ta-da, right. I mean, I see that, you know, a briefly, I'll mention, you know, yeah, one of my friends who's a staunch Baptist, you know, his wife has had ongoing autoimmune health issues for many years. And at one point, one call, he was just really frustrated and, and downtrodden and beating himself up. And he says, you know, my sins must have caused their suffering somehow. And I'm just thinking, okay, if everybody was suffering simply because of their sin, like either we all get cancer or none of us get cancer because grace isn't about whether or not, you know, we get what we deserve, right? There's this concept of Christian karma that's not actually biblical, even as we know that you know actions have consequences. Like you speed, you get a ticket. Okay, yeah, like God's not gonna you know exempt you from that penalty. But don't think that somehow just because you coveted something, all of a sudden like someone's going to like identity theft and take your things just because you had a bad thought, right? People like to like put these non sequiturs in play that doesn't actually explain anything useful. But
0: anyway, that's another, that's another <laughs> yeah. tangent. I mean again and it keeps coming back to this we think we understand things and we don't actually Mm -hmm. and are we willing to acknowledge that Mm -hmm. i mean what you and i are hitting at over and over and over is our desire and our understanding says that tragedy is bad and should not exist and if it exists Mm -hmm. then because we believe it's bad and shouldn't exist then we have to attach something to it like this is my Mm -hmm. fault. I sinned. Or Mm -hmm. if I had just done this, if I had just done that. Yeah. What we aren't doing often is just simply saying tragedy exists. Mm -hmm. And what does it look like to accept the reality of tragedy, not in a defeatist way, Mm -hmm. but from a place of strength. Good. If we have prayed, then we can have the confidence that if we believe that god is god and god is good that he is still that in the midst of the tragedy therefore i lament that the tragedy exists but i still praise god and that's something that i love that my church does is they are trying to learn how to embrace lament to make space for lament to basically say there are bad things that are hurting us and impacting us we're not going to brush them aside we're not going to rail against them in this moment, we are simply going to say, "We are lamenting, yeah. and yet we are seeking God." That's the Psalms, right? Like so many of the Psalms mm-hmm, are mm-hmm. saying, "This horrible tragedy has befallen my life, yeah. and yet I will still praise you, God." <laughs> right? Like mm-hmm. it's a yeah. it is a hard, hard tension, but it's so important. And I love the stories that we end up hearing of people who step into that tension and find God there. Good. Like they, they step in not knowing if they're gonna find God, mm-hmm. right? Like they yeah. step in not knowing how it's gonna work out, but there is this level of faith, a step of faith to say, okay, let me consider this tension that tragedy and a righteous God can both simultaneously exist. And when we step in that, we suddenly discover, oh, like God is here. All right, uh-huh. does it answer everything and solve everything? No, mm-hmm. but it does show us that maybe not everything has to be answered and maybe not everything has to be solved because the end goal of our life isn't a perfect life without tragedy okay good you know what would you say to encourage somebody who is in that space of lamenting or resisting lamenting how would you encourage them
1: yeah yeah great question i think of some moments not because I give the best advice, but simply just to offer some helpful, you know, things that have helped me. I'll share an example of, a, you know, a pastor that i studied with and under, and uh, he talks about, you know, now that his kids have grown, they'll occasionally call him for advice on, you know, situations that are complicated with no real closure or anything like that. You know, usually it just boils down, the conversations almost end almost the same way, where he basically tells them, you know what this means, right? And they all go, Yeah suffer well and (laughs) it's like you don't want to hear that yeah and at the same time though it's just you can you can admit your limits i think that's the freeing part of the this part of faith is when you say god look i don't know why my dad had this stroke and why he's in the hospital right now you know i'm hurt i don't like the fact that i have to be reminded of my own mortality and the fact that you know i don't have control over everything that i'd like to have control over and in your love i'm going to trust that this is another opportunity to trust you more that the most loving thing you can do for me is to give me opportunities where i have to stretch myself and not get complacent or comfortable uh, just thinking that somehow god is only good when my life is good Mm. so yes let me step into this and say you know what i don't know everything and it is my choice i'm going to with the help of the holy spirit that i'm going to trust you in this moment that things are not on my timing they're not on my terms and you know let me do the right and good thing and and learn patience and refine my patience and you know minister to people who are dealing with similar struggles and, you know again let me go back to the psalms right you know why are you downcast so my soul right you know just to you know, if people would you know and this is this is a very generalized statement but it is if people would look at tragedy as an opportunity to really test their faith and refine their faith Uh, You know, I I think I mentioned disappointment with God, you know, by Philippians, which offers some great perspective, because we think, oh, well, you know, uh, if I were with Jesus, Jesus is if Jesus is right in front of me, I would be fine. Like if I saw him do these miracles, like I would have faith. I'm just thinking, I don't know, these guys (laughs) had Jesus and they still were like, oh, no, the waves are too high. And he's just like, be quiet, be still. And, you know, I'm I'm right here, guys. Like, I don't understand. (laughs) You have me like literally right in front of you. And so anyway, but that's what I would start with to say, hey, well, you know, yeah, how does the situation point you back to God, mm-hmm. right? What uncomfortable truths does this bring up about your beliefs in God, mm-hmm. you know, and then what, you know, what resources can you use that God has provided you to help kind of wrestle with this a little closer? Mm-hmm. So whether it's, you know, going back to your Bible and looking up passages and not just the ones that sound nice, right? Look at, look at the tougher stuff where you see people go through difficult things and still learn that God is with them.
0: Yeah, as you were talking about using these moments of suffering as a way to grow closer to God, Mm -hmm. what came to my mind is there is this slight pivot we can do in our thinking that might be able to help Mm -hmm. because currently we tend to veer towards God has done this to me or maybe we're being generous and say God has allowed this to happen. And try as we might to celebrate and honor God in the midst of that, there's still a part of our brain that's like, but why did God do this? Mm -hmm. And why did he thrust this upon me? The pivot is breaking from that mindset of, again, trying to expect God to give an account and rather say, I don't know where this came from or why it's happened, but I know I have it. And i'm giving it to god Mm -hmm. right so like instead of it being i'm growing closer to god and suffering through enduring Mm -hmm. which endurance is important Mm -hmm. yeah there's a pivot in our mind that we can say this is now something i have and god i give it to you that's surrender yeah Yeah. and it's funny because in my mind i immediately think well that should be easy right because Mm -hmm. it might be hard for me to give my desires to god Mm -hmm. because i'll lose them but Mm -hmm. I would think that I would gladly let go of suffering. Mm -hmm. And so I'm thinking, you know, why is it that we don't want to release suffering? Why is it that we hold on to it? And I think there are a lot of reasons, including sometimes we don't want to release suffering because we're actually holding on to personal justice, right? Mm -hmm. Like part of our healing in our mind is that the situation gets Mm -hmm. fixed or that we get validated or something gets acknowledged or Part of it is, is mm-hmm. pride, like I did not deserve this. And so someone needs to give an accounting to it because I did not deserve this. And right, like So yeah. sometimes we are actually holding on to suffering and not giving it to God because of other things that we are holding to. That notion of giving, like if we can pivot our minds to giving and seeing it, like you said, as, as a sacrifice, as an offering, mm-hmm. sometimes the only way we can actually do something is just to do it. So like, Peter, if he had been standing on the boat, and honestly, like Peter walking on the water is a story that has come up in maybe like nine out of 10 podcast episodes, and it's usually because I do Mm -hmm. it. But if Peter had taken the approach of figuring out how to walk on water, Mm -hmm. like he would never have walked on water, because there is no way to walk on water. Like we know this, you and I have never been able to do it, there is no way to do it. Nope, except for God can do it. And so the only way he was able to walk on water is to actually Take a step and walk on water. Sometimes the only way we can give our suffering to God is to actually take that step of giving it to God and saying, God, as I'm in this, I, I'm, I want to honor and glorify you. But that's hard, man. That's awesome. hard. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We easier said than done, like most right. things. Right?
1: Yeah.
0: So there's so much more we could dive into. Mm-hmm. I, have, I have two final questions. One's just a general one. Go ahead. If anyone wanted to connect with you, engage with your content, learn more about you, what's the best way for them to do that?
1: Yeah, I I am on LinkedIn. Feel free to find me on there of the website that i have is adaptingleaders.com there's a, a free pdf you can download on how to navigate hard conversations just uh, in my in my work in and helping people deal better with conflict resolution mm. uh, you can also schedule a complimentary 30 minute call just you know share your story tell me something you're working on maybe i can help and there's also a, a complimentary book blog where i i summarize and give insights and takeaways on on useful and interesting leadership books so The faith aspect is not something I usually promote on my website, but I'm always game for opportunities where we can talk about our faith in a real and honest way, which is why I'm on this podcast. So thank you for allowing us to talk on this platform, Paul. I'm glad God inspired you to to move forward with this for sure.
0: Yeah, I really enjoyed the conversation. Before we go, are there any final thoughts, anything on your heart that you want to share?
1: Yeah, thank you. My hope is that Regardless of where you stand on religion, that you would look for, yeah, what can we agree on? You know, what, what what can we build on together so that all of us can be seen, heard, and respected, no matter what kind of disagreements we have? If we all did that, I would love to see what kind of uh, society that we could live in and look forward to living in. Uh, if people would really be willing to uh, search for a greater good.
0: You will walk, you will run, dance through the streets, shouting. John 16, following Jesus, turned into a very different thing. It had shifted from inspiring teachings and miraculous signs to some really hard prophetic words. And in chapter 16, Jesus is letting the disciples know that things will get hard, but also there will be joy. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. We have used this verse to comfort others so many times, and yet in our hardest moments, we don't believe it. We don't believe that we can have peace in Jesus in those hardest moments. We know that we have trouble, but it's hard to take heart because we don't actually believe that Jesus has overcome the world. And that's it, right? It's, it's our belief. It's our understanding. Because we know deep down in our heart that some of the worst things we experienced, we didn't deserve and that they weren't right and they weren't God honoring. And logically, it makes sense that therefore those things should not exist. But we are invited in Proverbs 3, 5 to trust in the Lord with all of our heart and to not lean on our own understanding. Because there's so much that we don't understand, and let's say that we get to that point that we are willing to try to trust God. We are willing to not lean on our own understanding. Why is it that we keep hitting a wall then? Well, I think a big reason is is that this is actually a tremendous sacrifice. It is not simply a mental exercise. In fact, is to offer ourselves as living sacrifices. And when our mentality, our self-preservation says, the worst thing we can do is to sacrifice ourselves, that call proves to be a foolish, foolish invitation. But the wisdom of God is foolishness to man. (sighs) Tragedy is a hard one. Finding a way to justify God's love in the most horrible of circumstances may be an impossible feat. And yet somehow that's the invitation, that we would know that God is God and God is good, and that we would willingly submit to that, knowing what it could cost us. Not just knowing what it could cost us, but what it will cost us. Some of you have walked through some really hard things, and it breaks my heart knowing that so many of those things weren't warranted, weren't deserved, weren't right. And it breaks my heart knowing that you prayed and prayed and prayed and it seemed like God didn't pull you out of it, didn't change the circumstances, didn't make things just bearable, just bearable. They don't have to be great, but just bearable. But they continue to be hard. It breaks my heart that so often so many of us walk through these spaces in life. and Somehow, God is God. He is powerful and all-knowing and omnipresent. And God is good. He is loving and sees us as his children made in his image. And the sacrifice for us is to do what Jerry and I talked about today, to look at that and say, this makes no sense to me. My understanding says that the bad things shouldn't happen and a good God wouldn't let them. Even so, I'm going to choose to step towards the God of Scripture, the God who created me not knowing why he's allowing what he's allowing or doing what he's doing, and not knowing what he will do as a result, but stepping forward as an act of honor and love, as a way to glorify him, as a way to sacrifice my own will for the sake of something greater than me. This won't necessarily fix your situation, but it might shift your perception. This won't necessarily change the circumstances, but it might change your heart. And you might find, like the Apostle Paul, the secret to being content, no matter how rough things get. Tragedy is heartbreaking, but God is God, and God is good, and somehow we can walk that tension. So let's keep walking that tension together, and then ask ourselves, where did you see God? Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to the Where Did You See God podcast. And I would love for your stories to be a part of it as well. So there are a number of ways that you can do that. You can check out our Facebook page at Where Did You See God podcast. You can go to anchor.fm slash where did you see God, or you can leave a brief voice message at 804-372-3836. I would love to hear your stories. And if the stories you've heard have encouraged you, Uh, Think of someone else who could be encouraged as well and share it with them. The music you've been listening to is You'll Walk, You'll Run by Urban Doxology. They are a solid group and you will love listening to the rest of their music. So check them out. And as always, as you go through your day, ask yourself, where did you see God?